0: Welcome to another episode of Opinionated Science where myself, Rory McKenzie and uh, my colleagues on the Technology Network's editorial team reveal at the end of our magic show the amazing research that we've pulled from out of a hat and and whether it's a white rabbit or a lump of coal we'll we'll see how good it is. But we are have a a really interesting discussion today, I'm joined by my co-editor. Laura Lansdown today. Hey, Laura.
1: Hey, how are you doing?
0: Good. Well, we're both in both in the same room for once, so hopefully this should be nice and process. smooth Smooth, as it can be, but mm-hmm. um, it'll be even smoother because we have a very interesting topic to discuss today. We're talking about the microbiome, and uh, we're going to be discussing about how the microbiome, which I'll, I'll, I'll tell you about in a second, about how the microbiome affects various diseases, including diseases the brain and cancer and we look at how uh, the microbiome is being discussed beyond research in the media and by uh, industry as well. So uh, what is the microbiome? Well it's the collection of microbes that live on and in our bodies and this is a a huge gut flora of different types of bacteria and other microorganisms uh, and for decades in science it's remained something of a mystery. Uh, even recently, there's been this enduring theory, for example, that the number of bacterial cells in our body was 10 times greater than the number of cells of us in our bodies. Uh, but this has recently been debunked, and it seems to be more like one-to-one. But these kind of misconstrued uh, myths have been pretty much the hallmark of this field. And there's obviously a lot of interesting research to be done and a lot of facts to be established around the microbiome. Um, but in Yeah, the last few years, there's been a a huge amount of research done into the the medical implications of the microbiome. If we have that many billions of cells inside us, surely it's got some impact on our health. And, uh, yeah, we're going to be discussing what we know about the microbiome that lives both on our skin and inside our guts and uh, what that has relevance for disease. So, I know, Laura you've been looking at the microbiome and and cancer, right? Yeah. What's the link there?
1: Um. So, like you said, obviously, um, talking about the one-to-one ratio, um, obviously the the one-to-ten has been debunked, but Mm -hmm. just to put some numbers to that first. So, approximately 30 trillion human cells are in the body and approximately 39 trillion bacterial cells in the body, which is just, yeah, an insane number. Um, And then when you, I guess, tie that into cancer, um, obviously cancer is um, when normal um, growth and division of your cells is affected Um, it's just it's a very very complex disease Um, but there has been a lot of interest in the microbiome and cancer recently so just um, as an example so between 2005 and 2015 the number of published articles on the microbiome and cancer the relationship between between the two things um, increased by 2,000% so um, I think there's a lot of interest um, in the research community on the microbiome um, to do with cancer and obviously in general um, and then I think it's been covered a lot um, in the media as well so not so much the relationship between cancer but um, the skin microbiome um, and talking about um, the relationship between the microbiome and the different deliveries and um, so vaginal birth and caesarean so it's a very hot topic um, mm-hmm. in general but focusing back on cancer um cancer is a very complex disease um, and there have been several studies that have um, investigated the relationship between our bacteria and microbes in our body and cancer. Like the
0: risk of cancer? Like the- yeah. Okay.
1: So there's two different, um, I guess, aspects. So in ways, um, studies have shown that it can be harmful. So... Changes in the microbiome are suggested to promote the growth of cancer Mm. um, in some instances. Um, But also there's been um, evidence that in some cases it can be beneficial. So microorganisms that make up the microbiome can actually help our immune system fight cancer and help treatments work better. And so there's definitely two different approaches. So it can be harmful, but also beneficial.
0: And is the risk that you're talking about, if there is an increased risk, is it just for, I mean, cancers of the areas where the microbiome is, like the stomach, or... Yes,
1: um, so there's, yeah, so there's been a lot of research to do with colon cancer, um, okay. the gut microbiome. Um, so, for example, there was a study done by the University of Michigan um, that used mice to um, compare... Um, cancer microbiome and a normal microbiome. So what they did was they um, had mice that were modeling um, colon cancer, um, and they had healthy mice with what they would say as a normal microbiome. Mm -hmm. Um, And they took samples from both of those and put them into a different mouth. And they actually noticed that the mice that were in were transplanted with the um, microbiome from colon cancer, developed twice as many tumors compared to the mice that were transplanted with the microbiome from healthy mice. So there's Seriously? clearly a link there yeah. between the microbiome and its effect when it, when it comes to cancer. Yeah, so um, I guess that's one example of where it's, it's harmful, they've shown that it's mm. harmful. Um, but there have been studies that have shown that it's been beneficial. So, there was a study um, last year by um, a group which was held up by Lee et al. Um, and they demonstrated that the gut microbiome and the immune system have a really um, strong link. So they looked at um, altering the intestinal microbiome and they showed that it actually contributed to um, the way the immune system can fight cancer so they are actually able to limit the tumors growth
2: mm-hmm.
1: just um with that gut microbiome so it's very interesting how it can be both positive and negative
0: yeah I think I know one thing that's come up and I've been reading about the microbiome is that like you see the researchers come up with the idea of a normal microbiome but what mm-hmm. is that like when you have such diversity, how can you have like a standardized one?
1: That is a very good point. So I was going to touch on that. So I think as there's such a strong link between the microbiome and the immune system, obviously um, with cancer treatment at the moment, there's a big shift away from t- traditional treatment options. Hmm. So for example, um, chemotherapy, radiotherapy, and there's a lot of um, interest in immunotherapies. So they're based on immune cells. So there's a strong link between and the immune system and the immune cells. So um, knowing that the microbiome impacts that, um, it's important when you consider how a patient will res- respond to an immunotherapy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so multiple studies have actually shown that gut microbes can influence um, the effect of an, an immunotherapy um, and some chemotherapies that, that work to stimulate the immune system. Okay. Um, and obviously, as you said, what is a normal microbiome? So I think the thing there is um, it's it's difficult because a healthy microbiome for one person could be completely different to another person. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I think that kind of draws attention towards personalized approaches to medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a very high clinical trial fa- failure rate for cancer drugs. So... It's around 97%, so the FDA approval currently for clinical trials in the cancer area is 97%. So the FDA is obviously the regulatory authority for the U.S. Um, So I think focus is shifting from a one-drug, multiple-patients
0: approach to
1: a a one-drug, one-patient or a small group of patients, and I think... Although personalized medicine is very much related to the genes of an individual, I think definitely there's a part to play in the microbiome and uh-huh. um, so I think there's a lot more focus on not just how a person's genes affect how a treatment works but also how the microbes in your body affect.
0: I guess even that like, kind of a basic level, I know you look after the drug discovery community on mm-hmm. TN as well and I imagine a big part of that is delivering drugs to people and this have got a particular kind of microbiome in their gut Mm -hmm. and you give them a drug which doesn't work well with that, then maybe it reduces its ability to treat people.
1: Absolutely, definitely, especially the immunotherapy ones obviously with the immune system Mm. being. Um, But I think there are, I would say there are two key questions that people are probably trying to address in that area um, and that is what is the exact messenger Mm -hmm. um, that's delivering the signal from microbes or the microbiome to the tumour so for example there has been a lot of studies with obviously the gut microbiome influencing colon cancer and things like that so that's pretty much in the same site within the body but then there's obviously talk about how it can affect um, different sites in the body so how is that signal from the microbiome getting to those other sites so I think that's something that researchers are very interested in trying to figure out Um, and then also I think they're trying to Understand the actual effect on the immune system. So, in some cases, it can be suppressive. So, the microbiome will suppress the ability of the immune system to fight that tumour. Uh-huh. Um, and they want to know how they're doing that. Whether it's affecting um, the cells specifically at it within, like the site of the tumour. Whether mm-hmm. it's a tumour microenvironment. Whether there's, I guess, an indirect impact or whether it, and obviously then there's the stimulatory side of things where it's actually helping to activate your own immune cells, and then that can help fight cancer. So I think there's a lot of research on trying to figure out the exact mechanisms that are happening.
0: Yeah, it seems like a lot of the research now is certainly saying there's something happening, but... We
1: We need to know the specifics, yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah.
0: well, research I've been looking into was more in the neuroscience space, Mm -hmm. um, and I think what I'm about to say is probably going to be to this but with, with different diseases so um, there's again with all these association studies what we always say in this podcast is this correlation is not equal causation just keep, <laughs> keep chanting it we could have it as like a background track or something <laughs> it's so important to remember that association studies don't really say anything about the mechanism involved mm-hmm. These. So, uh, for example, there's been a link quite commonly shown between uh, the presence or absence of certain types of gut bacteria and uh, the risk of uh, depression. Now, one paper i want to highlight, um, which is by a professor called Giroux and Reyes mm-hmm. and his colleagues, and Kay Lurin. depression here okay, good, with a thank you. number of other diseases, like there's fibromyalgia, for example. There's been implications there where um, people suffering from the disease have microbiomes that look different and have different compositions uh, to, to people without the condition. And I have to admit, every time we, we identify one of these these studies and share it, there's always this huge interest in it. I think online, um, which is I presume because it seems like Something that could really be, really be affected. Like the brain is such a, like a mystery in so many ways. But in our guts, we know we know what our stomach looks like, and we know there's there's mm-hmm. bacteria kicking about in it. So surely we can we can do something. We can give people probiotics, right?
1: Yeah, I was going to say. Do you think there'll be with I guess more awareness being drawn to the microbiome to the like, publicly as well? I think a lot of media are picking up on it. Do you think that will um, encourage people to change their I guess their diet or lifestyles to try and promote yeah. wellness of their microbiome.
0: But at the same time, like you said earlier, like what is wellness and what is like a healthy one? It might because be so different to people. Yeah. Have you done any reading into probiotics? No, no. The, the only limited reading I've done just shows that there's this, like, it's completely inconsistent.
1: Yeah, yeah because everyone's so...
0: Yeah, so different. Yeah. And I, I think it makes a lot of sense to... Um, take into account, I guess, the the fruits you have eaten in the past and perhaps when we move into a a different country and you get some some sickness from eating a totally different sort of fruit which is a common experience, Mm -hmm. perhaps something to do with your microbiome saying no I don't like that, Mm -hmm. Uh, try something else, Um, but thinking in a greater level about not just diseases of of the brain but also kind of neurological events um, it, it goes both ways. So, patients with irritable bowel syndrome, a um, big cohort study had identified that uh, they're twice as likely to have suffered some sort of childhood trauma mm-hmm. as uh, people without IBS. And again, these are just association studies, but it suggests there's kind of a link both ways, right? That um, some effects that we primarily we think are in the, you know, in the brain, some yep. sort of trauma, that psychological trauma, is also having effects. In, in both ways. So perhaps there's some sort of crosstalk going on. And um, one discussion I had actually with um, Professor Reyes, whose research I mentioned earlier into depression, uh, touched on this aspect of why bacteria would be able to crosstalk. Mm-hmm. And uh, what he said was really interesting. And,
2: and so, and, and usually symbiotic relationships they happen after, uh, uh, that, that there's a benefit for both parties, right? The benefit for the host is is, is obvious. The benefit is, is they help digest our food, they train our immune system, they provide us with a care of protection. And the question is, what, what's the benefit of the of the gut bacteria? The benefit of the gut bacteria is they we provide them with a warm and safe environment and a daily stack of food, right? But so the the uh, but the interesting part is, in order for the gut microbiota to Further influence, uh, for example, what we eat, how much we eat. I think it would be very interesting that 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 the, the, that the gut microbiota might have developed stock to the host, and maybe these things came 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 afterwards, or in the they first started learning to, to our immune system to in order in order to allow um, allow tolerance. But why why not? Uh, um, Develop mechanisms in, in order to affect our behavior, and then the, an obvious first idea would be uh, would be eating behavior, and so so that's that's I, I don't I mean it is pure speculation, but I but I don't see it implausible from an evolutionary perspective if you have two entities that co exist for such that have coexisted for such a long time, they found ways to value extra communication.
0: So there you heard Professor Reyes discussing uh, that reason for crosstalk and he highlights that there might be some kind of evolutionary advantage uh, for bacteria which have coexisted with us for millions of years to be able to subtly influence our behavior uh, to benefit them so primarily around eating behavior right because if they know there's a particular type of uh, diet that they like if they really really want Doritos then maybe they'll be subtly <laughs> able to uh, manipulate your behavior to go after Doritos as opposed to Cheetos or something else but in doing so that kind of crosstalk that's been set up between brain and stomach might also like leak into these into these other disorders and mm-hmm. uh, might kind of suggest the basis of, of how there would be able to be this effect between brain and, and gut
1: just going back to that, I'm not an expert in this area. Obviously, you're the neuro neuro oh, guy. I that. Okay.
0: <laughs>
1: but um, I think is is it is it the term the second brain? The gut? is there that because that's kind of floating mm-hmm. around, isn't it? Yeah, so.
0: there's there's a lot of idea. Of, a, pe- a lot of people talk about the vagal nerve, mm-hmm. which is the enteric nerve that connects the brain to the stomach. Sure. And that kind of feedback through there is positive a lot in, in these kind of uh discussions about mechanisms as as being key and i think that's when that term like second second brain comes up because Mm -hmm. um you know all all these links and maybe going through that part of your nervous system might explain how it's happening Mm -hmm. um and one area that i know we've talked a lot about um, association studies but one area that does seem to be getting quite exciting in terms of therapy is something you've already mentioned which is Transplanting microbiota. Now, mm-hmm. uh, some of our listeners might be wondering how you transplant a microbiota. It's pretty gross, isn't it? Yeah,
1: pretty gross. Need I'll a, let you explain that one. Uh, yeah, You uh, <laughs>
0: need a what, what? What do they call it? A poo pill? Need yeah, a poo, we'll go with that term. Poo pill. A, a poo, a poo transplant. So, um, we're in the the murky field of uh, fecal transplants, which are as lovely as they sound. Essentially, if you take a sample of someone species, if they're poo, you'll be able to find a representative sample of their microbiota which can get uh, popped out when uh, when we use the bathroom. Um, by sampling uh, bits of the, the microbiota and the, the full diversity of species present in that sample, um, you can essentially put that in total format and pop it to someone else. Uh, so that's how it's generally done. Um, I think there's also been going through the other end, there's been uh, uh, strategies there. Um, <laughs> I don't really want to think about that too much, but that that strategy has been recognised as having inconsistent, but in some some cases, really quite amazing effects in conditions we think of of being as gut conditions like IBS. People mm-hmm. have, have benefited from having fecal transplants, but there's also been some limited evidence that these kind of transplants can have effects on disorders we think of as brain based. Now we're thinking okay. in mice here, so. Again, I need a klaxon for in mice um, <laughs> because this is a human study. But mouse model. <laughs> mouse model. But um, yeah. a paper published uh, by Sun et al. which earlier this year, back in August, uh, looked at mice that were genetically predisposed to develop Alzheimer's like symptoms. Mice do not get Alzheimer's disease, but we can genetically modify them in a the lab so that they develop pathology that looks similar to Alzheimer's disease. So these are the mice we're talking about. And in this study, they gave these mice fecal transplants um, from from mice without this kind of pathology. And it showed that uh, not only were changes in the the gut bacteria, which they noticed in the Alzheimer's mice reversed, but there were also um, improvements to their cognition and reduction in types of protein pathology that we normally see in Alzheimer's. Now, obviously this is a small study and it's not humans, but it kind of completes a circle, I'd say, of, of the research, like if we can Come back round to be able to change things in the microbiota to affect people's health. That would be the really exciting thing, right? Absolutely, definitely. And the only other point I wanted to make was thinking about the kind of state of the field as a whole. What I mean, in, in your reading, how do you think the studies are? Are they good studies? Are they bad studies?
1: I think they're good studies. I think there's a lot of focus now from um, drug discovery labs and pharmaceutical companies to try and create um better models of the microbiome to study it better so i think they are trying to improve on the evidence they have and create better models to be able to then drive push that, that evidence forward and mm-hmm. um, so for example um you might have heard the, the phrase organ on a chip uh-huh. so it's where they're using a like, microfluidic system so very intricate systems with very small liquids Um, to try and model how an organ would function on a chip Um, and they're now trying to adapt that technology to create microbiome Mm -hmm. on a chip Um, and I think that will help um, investigate um, efficacy of different treatments better Mm -hmm. and follow up on I guess animal studies Um, they can use patient samples um, and yeah I guess design models with the microbiome in mind. Um, so I think there's a lot of effort there. Um, they have, as well as obviously animal studies, there has there have been a few um, studies in patients. There's one that I wanted to highlight. Just I guess as we were just talking about um, fecal samples and mm-hmm. poop pills and transplants, yeah. etc. Um, so they uh, in 2017 there was a study where they wanted to um, investigate immunotherapy response. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to see how it was influenced by the diversity and the type of gut bacteria in patients with melanoma, so skin cancer. Um, And they analyzed 113 samples from patients, so this, you know, human samples, um, with patients with metastatic melanoma. Um, And they actually found that those who responded to the immunotherapy um, had a greater diversity of gut bacteria. And a larger volume of specific types of bacteria than those who failed to respond so I think as well as the animal model stuff that we're seeing coming through they are obviously investigating with I guess at this stage smaller samples of patients
0: um, yeah
1: so I think there is a lot of interest
0: um, you mentioned briefly earlier that it's not just scientists looking at it now it's getting no, so big that it's like companies as well
1: yeah so um there's a lot of interest um I've seen on on tv adverts and where um, specific companies such as Dove and they're obviously skincare brand they talk a lot about the skin microbiome and they talk a a lot about that with um, in in relation to some of their infant products and baby products so the importance of the microbiome um, from a young age Um, and also um, it's been picked up by quite a lot of um, big news outlets just and there was a baby biome project um, which was uh, kind of fueled by the Sanger Institute, UCL, and the University of Birmingham. Okay. And that project uh, focused on the differences in um, babies' gut bacteria based on how they were delivered, so okay, when, born, right? by vaginal birth or caesarean, um, and then they are following up whether that influences um, their susceptibility to conditions later on. Yeah. Um so that's very interesting um, and yeah I guess that also raises awareness to the general public Um mm. more so. I
0: always I always wonder like when you have all these different kind of players involved in all these mm-hmm. different fields like I just wonder if the, the standard of the studies will suffer. Um, one other interview I did uh, at a neuroscience conference recently was with um, a Canadian professor called Jane Foster mm-hmm. who researches um, the, the gut microbiota and she um, had mentioned that a lot of the studies right now are still being done in a kind of cross-sectional fashion like taking a snapshot on time whereas it sounds like especially with the baby study you just mm-hmm. mentioned that what we need instead is long-term follow-up ones that are longitudinal and design so see how the gut bacteria changes over the years because you mm-hmm. can't just look at the babies in the first month right no. to see if 10 years time there it's leveled
1: out whether yeah,
0: exactly. I mean, you need longer term studying. Yeah. Um so that that was the other thing that Uh, they just with their uh, <laughs> with their studies because some of them certainly are are making sensible associations and, and concluding that that only means there's a link, not that there's any cause. But mm-hmm. certainly right now, for the this few, foreseeable future, um, we have to. It sounds like be kind of wary about drawing too big conclusions about this,
1: this kind too of too early research. on. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, I think that's definitely a sensible approach.
0: To think. I guess to finish off, I mean, wh- when when are we going to have actual therapies based on this? This is something I asked Professor Ribez in our discussion, and, and this is what he said. Uh, then the next step is then, then one idea could be to develop these bacteria as probiotics, or as a treatment, and
2: then you, there's still a whole bunch of steps that need to go through. You need to, assess. you need to show safety, and, um, and you have to go through your usual one, phase one, two, three, trials uh, uh, to, to, to allow them to be used as a drug in patients with depression. So it's, it, is, it is a very tempting and, and exciting path to follow. So, but realistically speaking, we are talking about these 15 years before they're there. Uh, and that is unfortunately the reality for all kinds of uh, uh, new targets that are covered in, in biomedical research the time between discovering the target and having a drug that can be used to patients is unfortunately very long.
0: Thank you, John. You cut out for a second there. Can I just confirm, did you just say years or did you give a specific number of years? I said at least
2: 10 to 15 years.
0: So his his um, calculation there of, of 10 to 15 years, he says is based on going through preclinical studies with animal models, um, Eventually, working its way up through to, to human trials. So, you know, for the for the next decade, maybe uh, keep an eye on eye on that research. But you know, in the in the not too distant future, we might be seeing some very cool therapies based on the microbiome. It's pretty exciting. It is very
1: exciting. So keep the microbiome
0: on your mind, I guess.
1: Microbiome
0: yeah. on your mind. <laughs> the brain and the second brain together. So, uh, thank you, Laura, for chatting with me. and... Okay. Uh, I think we're going to wrap up this episode of Opinionated Science, but we'll be back next time with another fascinating topic. So until then, bye from me. You like bye from me.